All right. What's going on, everyone? This is Eric Stewart from Fishing Fanatics, and I have an awesome guest today, Todd Alton, who is a current Bassmaster Elite angler. He's been a professional fisherman the last 30 years. So how you doing, Todd? Doing good. Doing real good. Yeah, man. It is good to have you here. 30 years is crazy long to be a professional fisherman, but I want to throw it all the way back to when you first got started in fishing. Before you were a tournament angler, how did you actually... Well, you know, of course, my dad always took me fishing, and he did the bait fishing, uh, cat fishing, and I'd always have a, a lure or something. I was cast around the bait, but that was the very beginning right there. But then, you know, soon after that, my cousin, he got a bass boat, and, you know, he knew I loved the fish, so he'd take me ever, like, you know, Saturday afternoon or so. We'd go down for a few hours, and... um and, you know, I just fell in love with bass fishing. And um, after that, you know, I joined some clubs and worked my way up the ranking with the Fish Federation. Um, and while I was still fishing Federation, I'd kind of branched off into the bass opens. And I think I, my last year in the Federation, I'd actually laid the classic through the opens. So, you know, I was fishing the Federation, and I was going to my first classic in 1999. So, it's it's been a while back, but uh, you know, I just enjoyed fishing all my life, and uh, just kept after it. And you know, had to quit a little bit there while I was trying to chase around my wife. You know, and um, got her, but you know, we've been married as yesterday, like 36 years. So, you know, it's it's been a while. Absolutely. I mean, 1999 was the year I was born. Um, so that that is crazy. That was your first classic appearance in 1999. How was that? What was that experience like? You know, I was a nervous wreck there. I can tell you that, you know, with bass. Back then, we fished, everybody fished out of trains. And uh, they put you in this boat you didn't know nothing about. And it runs 70 mile hour, you know. And, and, you know, I'm not used to all that. And you had different electronics and everything, and it was just like somebody wiped my slate clean and said, here, you got to start over at the Classic, <laughs> you know. So, and, you know, I fished it, and I I can't even remember where I finished, but it was pretty far down there. It was like 45th out of 50 or something, but it, it, was, it was a learning experience. And, uh, you know, I was just glad to be there, and, and you know, I, I've done better since. You know the other classics and stuff, but it's your first one is is really nerve wracking. You know, if you ain't never fished one, it's something different. Definitely, and they just put you in a brand new boat down there. Yeah, I mean, you got to practice in it, but uh, back then, you know, you had you had to show up with like six rods and a tackle box they furnished you, and anything you could put in that tackle box is what you got to bring. So. It, it's a lot different than it is now, you know, and, you know, if you broke a rod or reel, they'd like to exchange one or two, but you didn't have, but like, two backups. So, it's, I don't know, they don't do it like that in the war, but uh, I kind of wish, I kind of miss that part of it, you know, it kind of limits people, you know, that makes them think a little more about it. Yeah, there's a whole strategy side behind yeah. that, where, like, you could only fill up this certain tackle box with these specific amounts of baits, and it's like... Okay, you got to kind of pick and choose instead of just having 
what, 24 rods, I think, fit in like a rod locker nowadays? Yeah, I can get 60 in my... <laughs> 60? But, you definitely you know, a bigger boat than me, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm usually up there with like 10 on each side of my deck, you know, and 40 in the rod box until the tournament starts, and then I'll air it day a little bit. Absolutely. What was the uh, what was the electronics like back in 1999? Um, they they wasn't near as good as what they are now. But I can remember running, you know, and the the graph wouldn't even read, you know, because he was up so high on the plane and skimming across the water. And in a lot of places, we fished Louisiana Delta and the, out of Bayou Sinet and. But it's like a maze, you know, out there. You can go to Bayou Black or you can go all the way to Venice. And, you know, I tried to fish close some and a little bit further away to uh, one side. But ended up, you know, I went and practiced a little bit for it and everything. And I was in the right area, actually, where Davey I wanted. I was in there some in the, in the tournament and practice and, you know, I didn't, I didn't put it together, but um, he did good and caught a ball like it was one little intersection in there and just waylaid everybody, <laughs> you know. But it must be the stride when I come back from practice, you know. But it, it's uh, it's a different deal for sure. Yeah, I've talked to a few guys here that um, fish tidal water, um, either on the Delaware, some spots in the Chesapeake, different spots like that, but. It's whole. It's kind of crazy. Like when they're doing their research and looking at different stuff and then figuring out what time they're actually going to launch for the tournament. How much kind of science goes into it? Like where the fish are actually going to be stacked up. Oh yeah, and I mean, if you fish a tidal water, that's totally different. And this was a little bit of tidal, you know, tidal drop, but not much, you know. But you still, the fish know when it switches around. They know when they they won't bite until then usually, but. Uh, and it's a lot harder, you know, finding places that's good because you can be in the right spot and just wait until the right tide, you know. And um, it was a learning experience for me, so the least. So taking a look at your your snapshot of your career. So you fished 187 BASS bass events dating back to 1996. So taking a look over the past 26 years doing the different tournaments here, how have you been able to sustain such a long career in professional fishing? Well, you know, I always said to make a million that fish, and you got to start with two. So <laughs> that's about it. Now, really, when I got into it, it seemed to be a lot easier. Um, the technology and, you know, we got videos, whatever, out there nowadays. It seems like a lot of the guys coming along, they learn it real quick. And, you know, starting out in high school, colleges, you know, they got some good teachers and bringing these kids up real fast on the um, technical part of it. And you just got to, you know, be able to get to where your casting's good and you can endure the the conditions. You know, that's the other equation to it because a lot of times, you know, we go places it's rough and you got to stand on the front of the boat and try to cast and this and that. But 
all that, you know, comes into play. Nowadays, it just seems like it's a little, a little easier on the guys, I think, because, too, you know, now they cancel tournaments on, you know, windy days and stuff. To me, you know, if it, it blows 25 or 30, they will cancel it. So, and for me, a power fisherman, that's what I want, you know. I want the windy days and uh, the bad weather. That's when they bite. So, a lot of, di- a lot of things changed since then and now, for sure. Well, I was going to ask you about the biggest changes um, that you've seen in fishing over the past 26 years. But first, I have to point out there, because you hit something kind of on the head that I've been talking to other elites and other open guys about, is like the wear and tear that it actually puts on your body to be on a boat and fish tournaments and fish practices and all that. Because I was just up at Lake Ontario and the waves there were crazy. And the first day out there on the lake, it was my the next morning, my back was ruined. I was limping around. I grabbed the biscuit out of like the, the refrigerator and I went to the boat and I'm like, man, I don't know. <laughs> I'm 24 years old. I don't know how these guys do this. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, the one of the, the first, I'd say, rough tournaments I remember was going out of Clayton, New York, and we was fishing the St. Lawrence River. And and it was a bass open and me and Rick Morris draw with boaters. So we took his boat, his lot more experienced than I was, and man, it was so rough out there. And I just remember the next day, you know, my ribs and stuff, my sides were hurting so bad, you know, it was so rough. And really, when you're on the passenger side, it's a lot harder, I think, on your body because, you know, you're just sitting there trying to hold all the different things. But, I mean, we went out and had a good day, caught some fish, and, uh, you know, the next day it was just I had to go do it all over, but I had to do it in my boat the next day. So <laughs> it wasn't quite as bad for me. I had something to hold on to. That's that's the truth about out there. It's like you get banged around out there on Lake Ontario or like the St. Lawrence River. I was just up there and like, you're thinking, is it worth it? And then you start catching these giant smallmouth and you're like, you're out there. You're like, okay, it's worth it. It's the only yeah. yeah, for sure. It's, it's a lot of fun. And you know how it is. The, the way it blows up there to fish might. So were the set to fiddle. So over the past 26 years, there's one thing in my head that I would think you would answer this um, with it being like live scope forward facing sonar is probably like the biggest change that a lot of people have seen. But is there anything else that's like a big change in bass fishing? Um, I know you kind of hit on like the YouTube videos too and the information basically that's out there for fishing, but anything else? Well, I mean the mapping. I mean really the mapping I'd say has helped fishing more than you know, the solar, because the mapping's so much more detailed now. And, you know, when I started out with a paper map, you had to get a paper map or a satellite photograph and, you know, try to figure out where to go and how to run. Um, now, you know, it's a lot simpler with the mapping and, you know, you can put your depths in there and just let it eat now, you know, but... I tell you, it's, it's come a long way, the mapping, for sure. And I think, you know, people, when you're going out fishing and you can see the very tip of the point, um, you're going to go to the fish a lot quicker and everybody gets on the same level then, I think. And you can find fish a lot quicker. Of course, they do too. And 
you know, as the pressure gets to the fish then, then you just got to figure out how to catch them after all the pressure gets to them. Business owners and marketing professionals in the Philly area, Bad Rhino takes the overwhelm out of digital marketing. With tailored digital marketing services, from social media management to SEO and PPC advertising, our expert team navigates the complexities of the digital ad space for your business. Let Bad Rhino lead you to success. Visit badrhinoinc.com and let's take your business to new heights. Bad Rhino, we do digital marketing so you don't have to. Do you feel like there's an increased pressure um, because like that mapping so advanced? Do you think that like there's a far like increased pressure in these different lakes that we fish i think there is a lot of more pressure like that and with the fords facing solidars i think um you know the fish really don't have a safe place to be anymore i mean they'd be out in the middle of nowhere and just roaming around and catch one i mean the, the crappy fishermen would love it you know because they could just spot one and catch it on the cast i know you've seen the videos of the guys doing it but um i've never really even tried to crappy fish with it and but the smallmouth fishing is phenomenal with the live scope and um the guys have brought it into the large mouth era and figured it out you know to a, a real good you know where they can picture what size fish it is and, and tell you know, would chase that fish around a little bit until it bites. I've seen that happen. Yeah, well, and that, that it's something you couldn't do before, you know? Yeah. You couldn't. Yeah, you could really couldn't. The um the live scope is a game changer. I just got one put on my boat. And actually it's funny that you mentioned crappy because that's how I learned how to use it. Um, fishing for crappy. Because I really like I wanted just something to bite around me in the Philadelphia air and it's super pressured up here. So it's just like I'm just gonna downsize everything and just try to catch a couple crappy. Built the confidence up there. Took the trip up to the St. Lawrence and absolutely crushed it up there. So, yeah, that forward-facing sonars couldn't say couldn't say much more about it. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah, I'll like just to get back up there. We we headed up there Saturday, so I think practice starts Monday, so we can get out there and see if it works again like it does in the past. I'm sure it does. Well, yeah. I'm sure it's still dialed. So you do have an upcoming Elite Series event on the on Lake St. Clair, and that is one of your favorite lakes that I read on your bio to fish. Um, so what are you thinking about heading into that tournament? Any strategies you're coming to, or are you looking at different maps and have a couple different locations you're looking at? Yeah, I've been looking, you know, a lot of Google Earth stuff and trying to look where, where the currents may be hitting the banks and stuff like that, uh, even out in the lake. Um, it used to, we'd, we went there and we'd run to Erie, you know, to try to catch the big fish. And now I don't think you need to leave St. Clair or, you know, the, you know, up towards Huron is usually pretty good. Some of the guys have a lot of success up there, but I think St. Clair for me, I like it because you can fish shallow or you can fish deep a lot of times, um, now, I don't think I've ever been there this time of year, but I think last time we were there, I was catching fish, you know, three foot deep on spinnerbait. And, you know, I wasn't catching with 18, 19 pounds, but it was fussing. And then you could go out and fish deep and try to catch a couple big ones. But uh, now I know it's a lot different. Mm. You know, there's 25 pound bags weighed in a lot. 
So I might have to change my strategy a little bit, but I'm still going to have a little fun too while I'm there. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Fill up the bag, catch some fish there, and hopefully have a good showing there. And one tactic that you love, and you kind of mentioned it, is power fishing. And I'm super curious in like what exactly that means for you, because I've heard it kind of get thrown around a little bit. Just want you kind of explain it. Well, for me, power fishing is just something you're throwing, you know, repetitive cast, you know, whether it's crankbait, spinnerbait, or chatterbait or whatever is like that. And target fishing, you know, where you're fishing the edge of a grass line or cypress trees or something. I mean, to me, that's what I like to do. But, you know, now that you got the uh, all the different views and stuff, all the live scope, perspective load and all you can see these targets under the water so it changes the game and a lot of times you know you're fishing stuff other guys ain't they ain't even throw that in a long time so just the average fisherman might not have this stuff you know so you got to use every little tool to your advantage for sure absolutely and a cool story that um that i heard of you is actually with a guy named uh, brian new who's on the elite series who we interviewed a couple episodes back and correct me if I'm wrong, but you first met Brian at a tackle shop at your local lake down there when he was seven years old. Yep. Man, so tell me about that story. Well, I met him in there and, you know, I'm like, who is this little kid who always wants to be taking fishing, you know? <laughs> and I was like, I can't take him fishing. Uh, something happened to you, you know, your mom would kill me, you know, but uh, I think it was later in life we fished together. But I remember the first time or second time I met him, and he he was always tapering with live, I mean, some baits and stuff. He had a spinner bait, and I still have it. Uh, I should have brought it up here, but I didn't was going to talk about it. But uh, it was a spinner bait. had a three-way swivel on the back with blades going off each side, and it said, sure, catch, on the front of it, right leg. And I'd still give a heck about that. So I, I got to hang it up in my display room. But uh, that was the, about the first time I met him. And, man, that boy, he evidently got some people taking fishing because he's got, he got good quick. And uh, we fished some toilets here. He good one solo of them. Um, he's won a lot more stuff than I have, seems like, on the local level for sure. But, uh, but he's... You know, he came on stroll, first one out of the gate, one that elite. You know, I was real proud of him. But, you know, I told him, I said, beginner's luck. That's all I told him. <laughs> I think it was a hard time. Yeah, you got to, especially a local guy, too. It's good to see, like, local people supporting local people. And speaking of local, you got Lake Norman down there and Lake uh, Wiley, too, those two bodies of water. Lake Norman. Heard a lot about it. I know your home lake's Lake Wiley. So tell me a little bit about those two bodies of water. Well, Lake Wiley, man, it used to be the awesome, the best lake in North and South Carolina. It's right on the border. And, you know, 25 pounds down here used to be hardly nothing to catch back in the day. And a lot of tournaments were 10 fish. Guys bring in 50, 60 pounds, you know, and it's crazy. But over the years, it's gotten tougher, and the lake's changed. You know, I think this biggest change is when the nuclear plant went in. It changed the routing of the water 
flow a lot. And a lot of places, the fish used to set up deep here, which was one of the best deep lakes around because the fish would set up on all the points and we caught a lot of big hot spots and prank baits and it was a lot of fun. But, you know, over the years, the current flows slowed down and rerouted and it's, it's changed the whole lake. And now we have uh, spotted bass in here. I think they've come down from Lake Norman and they're kind of taking over, which some of the spots are finally getting to, you know, a good size. And I think it'll be good all down the road a little bit. But right now it's going through a change that's worse. Little limits and um, largemouth is hard to catch here, period, right now. And Lake Norman, you know, it kind of used to be the, like where you went up there and you just caught 14-inch largemouth everywhere. I mean, just millions of them in that lake. And now the people have put spots in there and they put LYs and all this uh all this bait stuff and the spots have really took off up there and gotten bigger and you know 16 to 20 pounds usually wins the tournament up there now and that was unheard of back in the day when i was fishing you know you caught 11 pounds you was doing something but uh, fishing has got a lot better up there and i'm thinking it's going to turn around here on lake wally pretty soon and these bigger spots to start showing up that's awesome so if Say, in theory, someone was taking a trip down there in, like, the middle of summer. Um, what would be some, like, tips that you have for them? Because it's going to be hot, right? It's going to be hot as anything down there. So, like, what well, are some tips? You can always catch some fish in the back of the creeks where you have a little current flow, you know. But um, most of the fish are probably going to be deep still out on them points. And, you know, uh, I call it, like, a one-on-one Hopkins spoon is one of the best baits out here deep that, that I know of. You can fish and you cast it. You get up all these points to throw out, work it way, work it back up. And um, you can catch a lot of fish. You'll catch a lot of perch too. You know, there's a lot of those in here. But um, if you just want to come down here and have fun and catch fish, that's the best thing to do. Yeah. Gotcha. That's cool. You might not win any tournaments, but you know, a lot. A lot of the bigger fish, I think, are around the docks and stuff. So you have to cast jigs up under there and do that. But it's a lot harder deal. And if you're just out here to have fun, you know, out date's probably the best thing to do. Cool. Cool. And then um, you have Alton Specialty Baits, right? Um, That's your website. And I was checking it out a little bit. So tell me a little bit about that. I don't know. I think you guys have some custom wood baits on there and different stuff like that. But, you know. It kind of all started with um, Waterwood Lure Company. They sponsored me, and uh, and I know the guy real good, Marco Smolicelli. He, you know, started that company, and we got him fished a tournament on Lake Wiley, and he fished as a co-angler with me years and years ago, probably 16 years ago. And um, and he just started this uh, wood crankbaits lure uh, company about, four and a half years ago, I would say, and he's blossomed it into this awesome looking crate base that run great, and, you know, everybody loves a wood bait, you know, because everybody has these little cheap plastic baits, but I love my wood crate baits, and I got the whole lot of them from them, and 
them selling, you know, other guys stuff. I got probably four or five guys baits in with my store now and uh, just get, give everybody a little variety. And guys in Texas, they want, you know, they want to try some of this stuff and they got local guys here, you know, that want to try their stuff. So it kind of gives uh, opportunity for guys to shop around a little bit and find something what they want. And plus, if we find any kind of discontinued baits, uh, I think we got some WeRs on there that's been out of date for a long time. <laughs> but uh, if we find them, we'll put them on there and try to, you know, give people something to get, you know, uh, that's old and out of date and they still catch fish. But um, it's just a lot of fun, and that's something we do. We don't do it for the money, for sure, because we ain't making money. <laughs> but it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and... Uh, it keeps us all out of trouble here. Absolutely. It is cool. The um, So I'm a big member of like the swim bait kind of whole push from like Japan domestic market and even guys in the U.S. making swim baits out of their garage and everything like that out of wood, um, resin and different stuff like that. So um, I love the old fashioned lures that I saw on your website too. And I advise anyone listening to go check them out because um, it's really cool. Some of the stuff you can kind of get there. Yep. This uh like I say, let's, let's come check us out. We, I don't know. We got like four or five pages of different stuff now, so that's big to us. When we had four or five items when we started, and, and we hadn't took a dial out of the company. We always reinvested in more lures and just keep putting it back in there, and we want it to grow, you know, to where it can uh, blossom into something good one day, hopefully. Todd, I appreciate you coming on here doing this podcast with me. So, 30-year professional career. What is your PB largemouth and PB smallmouth? Uh, I'd say my best largemouth is 10-pound, 11-ounce. And caught it here at Lake Wiley, 1999. Uh, I do remember December. Covered all the spinnerbait. Um, forest smallmouth. I do not know what my best is. I'd have to say about five and a half, I'd say, but I've never, I I never really took one, you know, to the scales that I thought was, you know, six or seven pounds. And I've called them here and there and just said, you know, what pulled it up, it might be a five, six pounder, who knows, but um, I just have to say about five and a half, and that's about the same on the spots. You know, it's about five and a half, so uh, I hopefully I'll break that record come next week. Yeah, we'd love to see that. I'd love to see that yeah. for sure. So, cool, man. Um, real quick, where can people find you, follow along with your stories on, like, social media and all that? Well, you know, at Todd Alton Fishing, you know, we have it on Facebook and Instagram and, you know, Twitter, which I don't know. I, I stay on Facebook more than anything. Probably that's my best spot to get a hold of me if you, you will ask me a question or something. But uh, that and, uh, you know, we have the Alton Specialty Baits uh, web address, too. You can contact me there, too. Awesome. I'll link them all down in the description. People go check you out. And, Todd, again, thanks for jumping on this podcast with me. And good luck in your uh, future events in the Elite Series. All right. Thank you, Eric.
You just listened to the Fishing Fanatics podcast with your host, Eric Stewart. Feel free to check out our other podcasts and our other interviews on our channel on Spotify, YouTube, and much more. Check out our Instagram page, TikTok, and Facebook as well. Thank you.